Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Notables Podcast, where we share transformative ideas and conversations with interesting and inspiring people. We hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. We're glad you're listening. This is Notables. Cool. All right. Well, Kyle, thanks for joining me today. Um, it's nice to be here, Chris. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to have you. And um, I know you've been, uh, gosh, an, an agile coach, more of a tech agile coach, right? Is that how you would describe yourself? I, that's what I do most recently is I, I say tech agile coach, mostly because that's what people will pay for. So. <laughs> but you do specialize in working with um, technology teams or technology-oriented projects, things like that? I, I've been a developer yeah. off and on for 35 years. I've been an XP fanatic, enthusiast, what, what word you want to use, yeah. for 20 years. I got into XP in 99-2000. Oh, okay. And so I've been a... What's the hands-on, what makes a difference in how you write code right. for agility right. for year, 20 years? Right, right. And, I mean, I've talked a lot on this show about, you know, my history as an Agile coach, Scrum Master, and all that, starting um, or working primarily with um, technology projects, software development teams, but then moving into finance and everything. So it's fascinating to me to, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, but the stuff that you're working on is really fascinating to me because it's, um, like you said, it's more the agility built into how people are are developing software products and things like that. And there's so many, there's so much to that. I think you specialize in extreme programming, like XP. XP is where I grew up, really. I mean, I found XP in 99, and I considered myself an XP guy first and an Agile guy second. Gotcha. Through, like, I don't know, 2015 or so. Uh Uh-huh. And then... I noticed that there were a couple other people saying smart things about the technical side of Agile who weren't XP. And so I looked at those things too. Like yeah. DevOps is the new kid on the block right. saying some smart things, not usually the same things. Right, right. Yeah, that's a huge initiative here, and I'm sure it is with a lot of companies too. So what is what do you, what do you how would you describe DevOps if you just had to summarize it in you know a couple sentences? Uh, in three sentences, um, DevOps. You cannot seriously expect your systems to work if the devs are one team, ops is a different team, and test is a third team. Gotcha. You need one team. Right. That's line one in DevOps. Right. Line two, um, don't do the same work twice in a row, twice in a week. Right. If you have to do work multiple times, automate it. Right. It's super simple. It's one of those things, but companies for most of the last 80 years, how, how long were you doing software? 70 years? Yeah. 
for most of 70 years, we've been doing software and the build and deployment processes have been slow, manual activities where individual human beings code in instructions. Right. And, you know, that's like anti-engineering. Engineers are the people who say, I'm wasting my time. Let's spend 80 times as much time to build a solution so I don't have to spend 15 minutes every day. Right. Right? Right. And DevOps is deeply invested in don't do the same work twice. So automate wherever those opportunities present themselves. Yeah. But that's secondary. The first one is we have one team. Right. Gotcha. Secondary thing in DevOps is automation. Yep. And it's specifically automation focused in the build and deploy process. Gotcha. Okay. And the one team thing makes a lot of sense because I feel like there was a lot of unnecessary handoffs, things being thrown over the fence from one team to the next and causing some delays and dependencies and things like that. But that's not really where the worst problems come in. Yeah. The worst problems come in is if I'm throwing it over the fence, then I think I did my part and you disagree. And now we're fighting with each other. We are on different teams. We're in opposition. Right. It's like Agile says, it's not about the process. It's about the individuals and their interactions. Right. And when they're different teams, you are mostly breaking the interactions between the individuals. Makes sense. So that you never have a highly cohesive thing. As a tech guy, yeah. right? Here's the thing. When I write code, and then you deploy the code. Right. I can write the code and say this code is perfect, but yeah. my test environment and your production environment are different. Right. So when you deploy the code and it doesn't work, whose fault is it? Right, sure. The yeah. real fault is that we're not communicating enough, but you can't actually call that out. And so what happens is you, the deployment guy, say, look, man, you did poor session management. And right. I say, look, my code worked. I don't know what you did to screw it up during deployment. Right, right, right? yeah. And so that fight is completely unacceptable. Right, yeah. And probably the single biggest thing DevOps is trying to avoid is that fight. Wow, that's interesting. So it really stems from, from breaking down silos more collaboration, <laughs> and it, it comes back to the people component, which we're going to get into, right? It's the people component. The biggest individual piece of DevOps is a people component, not a technology component. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That That's interesting to me, because I think a lot of people think of DevOps, so the first thing you think of DevOps is automate, 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 automate. It's Everything's automated. Yeah. We, from what I'm hearing from you is that's really the second, that's a, I mean, that's a benefit. It's a benefit. It's what you want to do. Right. But the fact is you can't do that. I mean, to a significant extent, yes, DevOps, but all of Agile. As far as I can tell, Agile doesn't work if it's not helping the team. If right. you bring in Agile as a way to benefit management, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't work. Nobody actually does the things. They yeah. do a fake stand-up. They do a fake retro. They do a right. fake sprint plan. They're just checking boxes. And they check boxes and yeah. get zero benefit out of it. Right. If you bring in something to benefit the team, that's a different picture. Right. Um, and a 
DevOps, it's about the interactions between the individuals first. Right. So is most of the rest of Agile. Right. Yeah. I think I got sidetracked and I meant to say something, but I forgot what it was. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So, um, so give me a little bit more about your, your background, just so the audience understands. You've been doing this for a long time. You're, I would say, I would consider you a, a highly sought after, uh, you know, DevOps, XP, technical, agile coach, if you want to put labels on it or, or roles. But um, you've, uh, you've spent a lot of time in this field. You were, you've worked with some big companies, I'm sure. I have. Yeah. Um, and you were brought in recently to, to our company here, to this organization, to or brought in again. I don't know if it, it ever ended. Yeah, that's but, weird. Yeah, so um, to work with some of our higher profile, highly visible technology teams. And, you know, we were talking recently. Um, actually, I didn't even give you a second to talk about your background more. So I just summed it up, I think. But, yeah, anything you want to say about that? I mean, how you... Um. I was a Doogie Hauser style kid, college when I was nine kind of things. My dad had a software company, so I've been writing code around business for 35 years now, yeah. even though I'm only 45. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've been in business software for 35 years. Along the way, I got tired of software. I went into teaching. I got tired of the teaching pay, so I went into teaching software, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And 99, 2000, I'm hanging out in Barnes & Noble, right? Because that's what I was doing. <laughs> and I run into this book called Extreme Programming Explained. Uh -huh. I read it, and it's like, wait, this is just better than what I've been doing since the early 80s. Yeah. And I became a convert to uh, XP really at 2000. Wow, yeah. And then the Agile movement came up, and I have bounced back and forth. I've bounced back and forth between being a programmer, being a technical trainer, where I come in and say, hey, you want a team to learn the MERN stack? Great, I will teach you all of the pieces of the MERN stack. And being a uh, agile coach. Sometimes I coach Scrum, sometimes I coach yeah. XP, DevOps. It depends on what the client actually needs, right. what my focus is. Right. But that's my background is I've been in software forever. A lot of human-facing software, mm -hmm. but my fingers are still dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And we actually had a, um, I thought it was a very interesting conversation. I think it was sometime last week. You had um, uh, been working on, you had identified, I think, some real problems, um, some gaps in these, you know, how organizations are approaching agile transformations. Um, we had been setting out in parallel of that we had been setting out to develop our own kind of internal proprietary maturity assessment right yeah. so and these maturity assessments are, are used to go out and have teams really do kind of a self-assessment ideally um, sometimes with a coach you know facilitating it but do a self-assessment that will um, 
you know, use a scoring system to help teams identify where they're excelling at, where they're progressing, and more importantly, where they could, where some opportunities for improvement are, you know, on their quote unquote agile journey. And I think you had some conversations with um, some of the folks over in my department, the agile management office said, hey, you know, I've come up with this, this model, the beginnings of this model. Um, and I think it was broken down into like mindset, team composition, um, uh, uh, process, product technical. and technical. Right. Yeah, so sure. and so we had used that, um, which we're still using to this day. Um, in its earlier form, I think, where we were applying, you know, some of the you know overall agile principles and and going through that, but also Scrum kind of focused stuff, and then Kanban. But you've you've evolved it a lot since then. I I have. I um, one of your prior guests, Ron Darnell, mm-hmm. when I presented how I approach agile, he said, "Gosh, that isn't." published anywhere in the literature, and he knows the literature better than I do, but he said this isn't published anywhere, can you actually lay it out? So I took some time and I laid out, here's the structure of what we're doing. And what I did was I said, look, I started Agile 2000, that the XP guys got together with the Scrum guys and the Crystal guys and the DSDM guys. and. Yeah adaptive and the pragmatic programmers and Uncle Bob and Crystal and all of those guys. They got together at a ski and beer party or something like that and talked about similarities between their methods. In 2001, the overwhelmingly dominant method in Agile was XP. Right. In 2005, that had shifted and people started thinking that Agile and Scrum were basically the same thing. If you look across the last 20 years, you say to 100 people in software, you say, hey, what do you know about Agile? 90 of the 100 say, isn't that like Scrum? Yeah. Right? And so you have this notion that Agile is Scrum. Right. Furthermore, you have the notion that Scrum means stand-ups in a task board. Right. And so the normal understanding of Agile is severely limited. Right. The next thing you have is you have an enormous number of people in Agile whose only exposure to Agile has been Scrum. Maybe they know that Agile isn't just Scrum, but what they've seen is they did their two-day certification as a Scrum Master, or they were on a team where a Scrum Master, and I'm not saying somebody doing it badly, suppose you're doing it right, Right. you're still, you've got just Scrum. And as an XP guy who was there before the Scrum book was introducing Scrum to the world, if you go read the paper on Scrum from 96, it's not Scrum. They use the same word, but it's not the same presentation. So Scrum really is a later method, Mm -hmm. and it's a new method compared to the old ones like XP or Evo, if you want to go all the way back. So we have these methods, 
and Scrum is the only one anybody knows. Yeah. And so 90% of people say, isn't that like Scrum? Nine more of the people say, yeah, Scrum is one of the agile methods. And if you ask them to tell you anything about any of the other ones, they can't. Right. They know Scrum and Agile aren't the same, but they only know Scrum. Right. My goal originally was, look, I'm an XP guy. I'm into coding Agile. Mm -hmm. What differences do you make when you write code in an Agile fashion? Not just how do you have different meetings. Right. And so I started tinkering around with the idea and I discovered that Scrum, and everybody gets upset with me when I say this, Scrum is a process thing. And I'm going to say, if you look at page three of the Scrum handbook, yep. it says Scrum is a process framework. Right. It does. Process framework. So we're agreed that Scrum is about process because that's what it says in the handbook. Right. Plus, that's what everybody does with it. And right. so even if we have a theoretical position that it's more than that, Scrum's really focused on process. 100%. So Scrum's focused on process. XP in three words paired TDD. Right. Continuous integration. Right. That's more than three words. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the word. You right. do paired TDD. And you do, it's a pure technical practices model with some supporting stuff. Right. And then you start looking at other methods. You look at Crystal or you look at the first line of the Agile Manifesto. And the absolute first thing said in the manifesto after the preamble is individuals and interactions are more important than processes and tools. Right. Scrum is a process framework. Yep. So we're agreed that's not the important part, right? Yeah. So you start to look at this and you go, wait, there's clearly more than one part to Agile and you clearly don't get most of the benefits of Agile from doing any one part. 100%. You need to do all of the pieces. And so I started a year and a half, two years ago, putting together a framework that would organize these things. In the last few months, I've been working with some partners, one in Michigan and one in uh, the Netherlands, mm -hmm. on putting together, on, so on expanding that and making it more useful to people. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to take a minute to just call out my parts to Agile yeah. and call out what you can do when you take some of this seriously. Right. Yeah. I, and and before, you, before you go into that, because I definitely want to hit on that, but I couldn't agree with you more because I tend to, and maybe I oversimplify it, but I think that I 100% agree scrum is a process um it's it's hyper prescriptive and i've seen teams that are checking the boxes of scrum but i could never say that they're an agile team so that's one distinction because i tend to put things in two buckets if because they, you know you have to simplify some of this yeah. stuff right so i tend to put it in mindset and mechanics great 
right? Two buckets. One yeah. doesn't work without the other. You've got to have the people, the mindset, think, act, behave in an agile manner, which is the people and you know communications, interactions, that type of stuff. And then you have the mechanics that support it. Yeah, and so all the way with you, yep. I just think that if you actually look at agile in the world, and so what I do, I'm, I'm kind of snobby about this. I am not a linguistic prescriptivist, right? right? Linguistic prescriptivism, the business of, I'm going to define the word and then use it that way regardless of what it means in the world. Yeah. That is useful for temporary discussions in philosophy. Right. And I like those, but it's not useful for communicating with people. Right. So what you have to do is you have to go out and look at what the word means in usage. Right. And figure it out. And the fact is, somebody doing Scrum, a team doing Scrum, a team doing process Scrum that isn't Agile, looks very, very different than, I'm just going to give an example, Menlo Innovations, which has been doing extreme programming for 19 years or something like that. Right. They're dramatically different things. They would both say, yeah, we're doing Agile, but what that means is enough different that I thought you need, I thought we needed a taxonomy. Right. So I made one. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's evolved a lot. So why don't we spend a few minutes and if you could kind of run through the components of that and how they come together, you know, and where, where, what you, where are you in this development, you know? Okay, so... Real quick, I have an alliteration problem, right? I like to use the same letter for things, and so um, I, I will get over that eventually, but right now I use the same letter for too many things. Um, what I've been doing is saying, what pieces constitute Agile? And we have already talked about it a little bit. We say, we know there's the process side of Agile. Yep. We know, because this is what I've been doing for most of 20 years in Agile, there's the technical side of Agile. Right. In reality, you don't have to call it the technical side. Right. Right? I've been calling it practices because if you have process and practices, they're both P's. Right. You've got the practices side of Agile. Um, really, that means that we can talk about non-technical teams that are doing agile practices. Right. A team of special forces in the US military might be have agile practices, how they move from place to place. They don't march in lines like redcoats in Civil War movies. They are not, sorry, wrong, wrong time frame. In Revolutionary War movies, <laughs> they don't march in lines, they move quickly from cover, they have rapid responsiveness, they have high-speed communication. They've developed a bunch of specific practices right. for how to achieve objectives. Most of those aren't their process. Right. Most of those are they spend hundreds of hours practicing how to shoot. They spend hundreds of hours practicing how to run from here to there, quietly low to the ground in a right. not get shot fashion. Right. They, they do all of these practical trainings and getting better at doing the work. Right. And 
very simply, there's nothing in the process part of Agile that talks about how you do the work. It's how you organize the work and how you line it up. Exactly. And, stuff. Right. and so those at least are dramatically different parts of Agile. Right. We furthermore, once I saw that, and honestly the original purpose of this was to call out, there's process Agile and there's technical Agile, and they're not the same thing. More importantly, process Agile isn't the only part of Agile. Right. But then when I did that, I started seeing the other parts. And the third part we've already talked about is the people right. side of Agile. Right. The reality of Agile is Agile teams, teams that are effective together, the number one thing is how well do the human beings on the team interact with one another? Right. If you want an Agile team in any domain, military, business, sports, whatever, right. the entire question comes down to how well do we work as a team? Right. It's not what process do we follow? It's can we get along? Do we flow from one person to another? Do I know what you're going to do before you do it because we work together so well? Right. That's the core and everybody who's ever studied effective responsiveness, right? right? Teams that react fast. The number one topic is how good is your team? Right. Yep. Right. So this people side of agile, plus there's the mindset, there's the psychology, there's um, all of the founders of agile or uh, half of the founders of agile are on record as saying, you know what agile is for? It's for making happy teams. Right. Productivity. Yeah, we get some of that, by the way. But the real value here is you get happy teams, which will in turn produce productivity, but the happy team is a top reason to be doing this. Right. So when you take seriously that Agile really is about humanity, it's about humans, and of course that whole first line of the manifesto keeps popping up, but yeah, yeah. that's a really interesting part. So I've got process, I've got people, I've got practices. Yep. On top of that alliteration problem, I have the product side of Agile, right? How happy are your customers, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? The real question in software is not, did you do everything by the book or how fast did you write the code? But the question is, did you build Facebook or MySpace? Right. Did you build Google or pets.com? Right. Right? There's what software you build is the core question right. and what does agile have to say about that the most common thing people know about what agile has to say about that is um prioritize relentlessly right you can get huge values out of agile the fastest value you can get out of agile is take your priority list prioritize aggressively and burn the bottom half. Right. Yeah. <laughs> highest value items. Highest value. And the ones that first. aren't highest value, don't do them at all ever. Right. Look for other high value activities. Right. Yeah. Right. That's an enormous part of Agile that is 
underappreciated. But then the entire user-facing thing, Scrum defines product owner, which I think is a super difficult role. Um, XP said, I can't handle a product owner. I actually have to talk to customers directly. Right. Right. Um, different people approach it differently. And if you check all of the long-term XP shops or the long-term agile shops, all of them do it pretty substantially differently. But there's a whole body of knowledge on how to do product focused agility. Right. Right. And that's four. And my fifth one is what everybody else calls enterprise agility. I'm unsuspicious about whether everybody's using the term correctly, because what most people are talking about is how do you make four teams work together or 20? Right. Not how do you make your enterprise agile? Yeah, that's that's interesting because those are different questions. Completely different <laughs> with completely different solutions. <laughs> right. And so if what you're really talking about is multi-team agile, and I think safe and less and Nexus and uh, Dad and Scrum at scale, they all do good multi-team agile problems. Right. Do you know what their advice is for the HR department? No. Neither do I, and I've read the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right? The real topic, though, is everybody knows, everybody admits it, right? right. You can get Jeff to admit this, you can get uh, Craig Larman to admit this, you can get, look, there's real changes at the business corporate level right. to actually achieve agility. And so we can get minor agility if you do team level process agility. Right. If you want corporate agility, you're doing a different thing. And so I break it down into those five asset, five sides right. of agile. Process, people, practices or technical, yep. product and enterprise agility. And I find that if you simply bring up the facets, my topic is called Diamond Agile because I have a faceted model and you can picture those as facets on a diamond. Yeah, okay, cool. So, <laughs> um, my faceted model, if you simply bring up that there are all five facets, pretty much everybody will acknowledge, oh gosh, yeah, we do need all five of those facets. Right. But most people talking don't mention anything except the process. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's one of the one of the challenges I see not only here in this organization, um, and it's one of the things that we as coaches are now starting to set our sights more on the mindset portion. You know, hopefully, and starting with our leadership team down. Um, you know, there's another thing we didn't talk about, which is uh, Kanban, which I think um, does go a long way for kind of that management methodology for giving people a different way to visualize work, manage pipeline capacity, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I have to say, I love Kanban. I'm an XP guy first. I'm a lean guy second. Yeah. Um, that's my path. Uh, 
And I think there's a lot of smarts in Lean. I don't think Lean captured all of the insights of XP. Right. And vice versa. So there's there's independent smarts in both places. Yep. That said, when I look at Kanban, I say, wait, Kanban, it's a process improvement methodology, right? Yep. Scrum is a process. Yep. Scrum and Kanban aren't even the same kind of thing. No. They are both related to process, but Kanban says, first, keep the process you have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Respect your existing process is step one. Start with what you have, right? <laughs> Not just start with it, but respect it. Yeah. Don't uh, the whole line with uh, what I call Chesterton's fence. If you see a fence in a field, don't tear it down until you know why it's there. There may be a bull on the other side right. that could make your day pretty bad if you took down the fence. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> No, it definitely makes sense. And I, I'm actually really excited about it because, you know, we've been racking, I've been racking my brain for a long time with um, more of the mindset and people side, because I'm sure you've seen this a million times. You've seen people that the light bulb goes off a little mm -hmm. quicker than others. Mm -hmm. Some light bulbs never go off. Yeah. And it's, but I couldn't agree more to achieve true enterprise agility. All of those components really need to be in play. Yeah. You got to have a way to, you know, and, and, and you can mix and match depending on the, the nature of the work. You know, finance and HR may be more suited for Kanban or something. Technology, you know, XP, that type well, of thing. So I, I, I want to go beyond that. I think that in technology, you need some sort of process. Right. I'm flexible. You can use Kanban as your process. You can use DSDM as your process. You can use Scrum as your process. You can use Crystal as your process selection methodology. Right. I don't care which process. There's a bunch of different ways to build an agile process. Right. If you do just process, that's not sufficient. Exactly. If you are working in a technology field, then you should probably take insights from extreme programming, software craftsmanship, DevOps, and test automation, right? right? Yeah. If you're taking those, that covers an awful lot of technical agility. Right. If you're in the finance field, then technical agility, the, the DevOps, probably isn't gonna help you all that much. Right. However, there are techniques in finance, I am sure, that are built around speed and error mitigation right. as opposed to long-term planning and right. how you do the code. I'm not a finance person, but the way you do math, if you're doing it on paper or is different than the way you do math when you're doing it in your head. Right. And so I know that these techniques are different. The way you fight a battle if you're doing trench warfare is a very different type of battle than what we've been seeing for the last 20 years right. in the Middle East. Right. Yeah. Right? So there are specific techniques for getting better in your practices regardless of domain. I'm a specialist in the IT 
techniques. Right. But the techniques are important regardless of your domain. I agree. The process is important regardless of your domain. The people side is important and the uh, product side. What are you building? The biggest problem in software and in work in general is we're delivering stuff that people don't want. Right. Half the time, I think, too, is that people don't know why. Uh huh. That's another thing I come across a lot is I'm so surprised at talk out being out there talking to people, talking to teams, how their small slice of the pie fits into the greater vision, things like uh-huh. that, you know, which goes back to the people side and the mindset too. Yeah, but, for sure. you know, it's, it's interesting. So what I really like about your model, especially the, cause it's, it's obviously evolved a lot. Yeah. Over the last I, I, year I, so. I started with six sides and then I went up to eight and I've been up to 10 and now I'm down to, the five facets yeah. with a central thing that I haven't talked about yet. Yes, which <laughs> is what I think we just touched on. And if I have to guess if it's another P word, I'm going to guess that it's purpose. Purpose is it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. The fact is, if you're doing Agile, we have to know why you're doing Agile. Yep. Right? One of the things you called out here is, we built a bunch of metrics and I had disputes with how the metrics were being built here. Yes, we adopted my faceted model because people can get really good at process agile and not do any of technical agile. Similarly, you can go the other way and get good at technical agile with no process. Mm -hmm. You can get good at people agile with no process or process with no people, which is much more common. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right, right. And so you can get good at different pieces. And so we've started measuring the facets of agility differently. But there's a problem. And the problem is that everybody and my current area of excitement is people doing agile all measure inputs right if you are going to say is this agile thing working how can you tell everybody who looks at this the first five years of looking at it they say oh i know what we'll do we'll measure to see if your stand-up is done effectively. Are you doing the three-question stand-up? Right? Right. Are you focused on the future rather than the past so it doesn't look like a status meeting? Right. Are you... Right. uh, Do you have a retrospective? Do you walk out of your retrospective with one thing to do or two? To experiment with or whatever. follow up on your experiment from your retrospective? Right. Those are the types of things we measure in Agile, in Scrum. I've seen 10 or 20 different measurements and they all do that. Yep. I think that approach is wrong. (laughs) Right? Our approach here does that. Right. (laughs) I know. I think the approach is wrong. I think that if you are measuring agility, you should measure the agility outputs, not the agility inputs. Right. Stand-ups are an agility input. Right. Right? Yep. Story points are an agility input. If you're measuring something related to story points, you're not measuring agility. 
you're measuring how you do the work. Are you doing it how we told you to, not are you agile? Sorry. And it's big sister velocity and average yeah, yeah, velocity, yeah, yeah. right? For predictability and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, if you have to measure one of those, please don't measure velocity, measure variance. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like that either. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Right? Yeah. Um, so the real questions are, okay, so if you have five facets, and by the way, I have a website, diamondagile.com, yes. and we are selling measurement of Agile implementations. That's great. So the question is, suppose you are a company and you've been doing an Agile transformation. Did you get value for your Agile transformation? What? KPIs, what, there's seven other words that mean KPI too. OKRs. OKRs, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. KPIs, OKRs, MBO, pick something. What's your value proposition? Yeah. Right? I don't think 90% of the people doing Agile are making a value proposition yep. or willing to measure it. I'm willing to measure on every one of the facet. My big diamond agile thing is I have five measurements that are distinct and non-overlapping for each one of the facets. And we can come in and we can say, hey, look, you look like you're doing process agility decently. Your people agility sucks. Your technical agility has started. Your product agility looks like it will get somewhere soon. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't spell enterprise agility. Right. Yeah. And we can do that measurement. And right now I'm happy to give away my first five measurements free if you'd like to hear them. Yeah. Okay. So here's the question. Process agility. What's the core question in process agility? The core question in process agility, the reason Scrum was built was we are trying to stop you from wasting your time. There's two sides to wasting time. So you can't use a straight up lean waste metric right. that you would historically do because software is a discovery activity, not a production activity. Right. And so essentially you can go out, you can use a metric process efficiency, my uh, partner and Jeff Sutherland, the scrum guy, put out a paper on process efficiency um, a couple of a bit ago. Yep. And essentially, the question is, how much of your time is wasted? Right. Yep. If you go to work and you start working, how many minutes in your day, how many minutes between the time you start work on a story and the time you finish work on a story, how many, what percentage of the minutes are you moving the story forward towards work being done? Right. Scrum, probably the best, the, so if I walk into most organizations, I can save the organization thousands of dollars a week by killing their, day, their daily status meeting that takes an hour. Right. And replacing it with a five or ten minute stand up. Right. Right? Eight people times an hour every day is an atrocious waste of resources. Atrocious. 
The stand-up, if it replaces the status meeting, is a huge win. Yep. If it is an addition to the status meeting, <laughs> it's not very well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is measure, are we adding value right now? And take a stopwatch. Yep. Have somebody just follow the person through the day, adding value, yes or no. Yeah. Innovation is adding value even if you discover you're wrong. So that's a difference in the lean space. We have to do value discovery. But process agile says, basically, let's move the stuff out of the way that's not adding value. Right. Scrum does it, Kanban does it, Crystal does it. All of the approaches yep. do that. That's what process agile is about. Right. People agile is looking for two things, or one-ish, one and a half, do you have a happy, highly effective team? Yeah. Is your team happy? Do they work together well? Yeah. That's the question. That's the whole question. Right. Right? High effectiveness teams are a topic in organizational behavior literature for 70 years. Yep. 60, 70. It's, I think it was in the 50s that this came out. So yeah. It's huge topic. Um, technical agile. On average, how much time, how much money does it cost you to take one small change and move it from request to production? Right. Not how long does it take you to get it near production? <laughs> the right. question is from request, from this is the most important thing to do next, to customer can use it. Yeah. What's your title? That's the only measure you need for right. technical agility. Yeah, I've got supporting measures, but that's the question. I call that skip. One small correct change in production, skip. Yep. Um, but everybody else uses different words to say the same thing. If you're not measuring to production, you're not taking this seriously. Yeah. If you're just measuring from code complete to production, you're not taking it seriously. If you're just measuring from request to code complete, you're not taking it seriously. The other thing I, <laughs> I think, and I want to add to that, because I, I would agree with you, um, is all of, and in the Kanban world, um, it's called the, you know, they split things between upstream and downstream, right? So yeah. the upstream activities is all the request comes in and then how long does it take that request to be um, to get to the point where it can reach a, a commitment point, meaning the team can take it on and start working with it? Because that's where I think a lot of problems lie, It's in the huge, upstream activities. There's a huge number of problems, but you'll remember I separated into five facets, and right. that's product view. Right, right. Right? So the upstream activities, you're absolutely right. The upstream activities are huge. But I've put in my five-facet model the upstream activities into the product domain. Yep, makes sense. Because they're really figuring out what we should build, not... So that's your, your, your enterprise's ability, your team, your, your business representations, the ability for that team to work with the product builders 
to collaborate as quickly yeah. as possible, determine if something is worth moving forward, and then is it clear, is it understood, do they have everything they need to go? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of companies lose their their speed is in, in your, in, in what we call, what we're calling it here, lead time, right? Absolutely. Is it's not necessarily the process stuff really hits on the, the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the cycle time more. And, yeah. and so cycle time here is essentially from product go to code complete. Got that right. cycle time right. how we're measuring it here. Yep. I think we're not serious until we measure from product go to customer using. Right. That's the actual agile tech measurement that we care about. Yep. The other one is a warm-up measure. Right. Right. I agree. Right. And there's a second measure of from customer request to team is now going to work on this. Right. And that's a separate thing. When somebody puts in what will turn out to be the highest value thing to do next, how long does it take to start work on it? And it's funny because <laughs> we, you know, the, the way that it's being measured here, and I'm sure in some other organizations, when you look at things like lead time, they're calling it, you know, IT responsiveness. But I think that there's IT responsiveness, but there's also business responsiveness. Absolutely. Right? And I think business responsiveness isn't focused on as much as it should be, right? Uh, it's not because you know? I've never seen an a agile transformation finish succeeding when the IT organization was in charge of it. Right. It has to go past the IT organization. It has 100%. to get bigger than that before yep. you really succeed yep. in an agile transformation. I 100% I agree because I think... You know, I think that's just been such less of a focus. That's why I'm happy to see that you're incorporating that stuff into this diamond agile model. But I mean, just think about it from an executive point of view. But give me a sec. Let me add my other two. Yep. Product agility. How can you tell if your, your product, your product focus is agile? I've got a simple measure. It's not a direct measure. It's an indirect measure. Mm-hmm. How happy are your customers? Right. If your customers are happy, that means you're giving them what they need. When they need it. If your customers aren't happy, then some portion of what you're doing is not giving them what they need. Right. And it's not a direct measure, but if you're doing product agility well, your customers are always going to be happy because you're responding to them. Right. The biggest impacts I see in agility are how much it impacts the customers and how thrilled they are with, my goodness, I'm getting what I want, when I want, in the order I want. That's the big deal. 100%. And so let's measure it. Yep. And for the enterprise? What we really want to measure, and I'll talk, I'm not going to talk about it today really, but what we're measuring is innovation. Right. Agile organizations try stuff. Some of the stuff they try succeeds, not all of it, not most of it, yep. but agile organizations try stuff. And by trying stuff, 
their market share, they end up in new markets, they take over markets, they create markets, but fundamentally we have an innovation measure right. that we're doing. And so, here's the question. As an executive, how can you tell if your agile transformation, we all know companies that have spent five or 10 years doing agile transformation version seven or whatever it is. And spent hundreds of millions of dollars. So how can they tell if it's working? Mm -hmm. I assert that they can tell if their agile transformation is working by measuring roughly those five things. And I've got 20 other subsidiary measures to support those and get a broader picture. But how much of your time is getting work done and how much of it is overhead? One, two, how happy are your teams? Three, what's the cycle time from go to customer using? Right. Four, how happy are your customers? Five, what's your innovation rate? That's a messy metric and I'll talk about some other day. Yeah. I can talk about why we've measured it the way we do and that's not the direct measure but that's what we're checking on. Yeah. If you're doing well on those five things, your company is agile. If you're not doing well on those five things, I don't care how many scrum masters you have, you're missing the point. 100%. They all have to come together. It, it's much broader, it's much deeper, it's got much more breadth and depth than people than people realize. So it's very cool, I think, when I when you and I had a, an hour or so conversation about this a week or two ago, it really piqued my interest and I'm excited to learn more about it. I'm gonna go, what's your the website people can go to again? It's diamondagile.com. Diamondagile.com, okay. And I'll put it in the show notes for everybody so you can check it out with a link. Um, one last question. Um, I, we're in a position now, and, and, and I want to get your perception, your thoughts on this, and companies are starting to, you're, you're talking about met from enterprise agility um, perspective, you're talking about measure, measuring their, their uh, innovation rate, yeah. right? Value, right? I hear this value. How are we going to measure value? And value to me is such a subjective <laughs> measurement because if you look at things like okay you know if you go back to day one and, and, and working with all this we should be working on the highest value items first right work on the things that are going to provide you or your customers the max amount of value work on those items first and then drop down to the, you know, so on and so forth how do you define that value is value when the customer even if it's yourself, I'm really in this more back to kind of agile for life type stuff. But, you know, is it, to me, I see value as, you know, anything that is moving the needle forward toward your end result. And it could take so many different forms and value can be measured in so many different ways. There's different, you know, buckets for value. So I know there's a lot of debate that's going on out there and how, how you define that. How would an organization that has technology teams, HR teams, finance teams, how would you come up with a common language or a common way for all these teams to say, 
This is how we're going to define and measure value. That is a great question, one. Um, two, uh, there's some well-known answers to that. Mm -hmm. um, the person who uh, most clearly answered that was Mr. Schwartz in his Art of Business Value book. Um, and basically he says, all known measures of business value stink. He spends seven chapters saying that and then finishes with chapter eight, which says, well, if you're still compelled to measure business value, here's some things you can try. Yeah. But one of my theories of everything is usually the question is the problem, not the answer. I would agree. So, I think companies already estimate business value for activities. They say, we're going to spend $20 million or $2 million on HR this year. Right. Because we think it's worth $20 million. And the HR department, when requesting their budget, says, here's why it's worth $20 million. Right. The agile answer is super simple. Fine. Take the estimates and do rough measurements. Stop accepting the estimate and start measuring the output. Right. It's empirical. It's an empirical. It's an approach. Agile says that we're going to start from feedback systems, evidence-based teams, and yep. prioritization, yep. and that's where we start. And if we're going to start there, then start there. Let's actually do the empirics. And I don't have an answer for you today, but I will say that if you say that writing this HR application is going to save us 400 hours of work every month, that's great. Now measure it. I want to see the 400 hours of work that we're saving, right? Because I want to know how good our estimates are. I'm perfectly happy to say, I don't know how to measure value, but every company out there has a, when approving work, they approve work into one of six or eight, five to 10 buckets right. of this bucket will allow us to reduce manpower. This bucket will produce profit. This bucket will increase productivity even though it won't reduce manpower. This bucket will, and they have all of the buckets and they know what the claim for everything they do, what their claim is and what bucket it falls in. Yeah. You can measure every one of those. Yeah. And there's books on measurement. I'm a huge fan of Doug Hubbard's How to Measure Anything, right? But fundamentally, the core problem is not how do you measure business value. The core problem is do you measure or do you just guess? Right. It's a great answer. It's really, it's really a great answer because I think, you know, it, it's kind of like people, you know, it, it's interesting because 
I feel like half of these transformations are taken on because it's just what someone heard needs to be done. You know, it's in vogue. Right? Somebody's golf buddy's doing Agile, so they are too. Right, exactly. But to really, I, I really love what you've been putting together. I can't wait to check out more about it. Um, but the answer to value, because that's something I've been struggling with for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I heard somebody say, we need to start um, measuring value. We need to start measuring to make sure from an agile perspective, or is the stuff that we're doing reaching that value, reaching it quicker or stuff like that. So, but it's, it's already there. Every software project I've ever seen says, here's the value proposition that you should fund my project for. Right. You have to go. You have to get it through through some kind of... You have to go and get an approval. Right. So your project is approved based on a value proposition. Right. Why don't we check it afterwards? Yeah. I mean, because most super complicated, right? But most people don't. <laughs> nobody does. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? funny. Kyle, I wish we could. I, I could chat with you for for hours on this stuff, and maybe we'll have you back on the show um, to talk more about some of the areas I think would be really interesting to take a deeper dive on. I would love to. You know, I think it'd be great. Um, and once again, diamondagile.com. Absolutely. Let's go check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out and. Uh, I think it's I think it's awesome, you know, what you put together. So very cool because I think it's something that has been missing, and I think there's you've identified not one, not two, not even three, but you know, a handful of areas that haven't gotten the focus or attention. Everybody's been focused so much on process, 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 and it's like all these other components need to come together to reach that level of true business agility. All right. If you say, what's Agile, people know Scrum, which is process agility. If they know, which is process single team agility. Yep. If they don't do Scrum, then they go to SAFE, and that's multi-team process agility, right? right? If they're super well-informed, then they know about DevOps too, which is one of three facets of technical Agility, right? Right, but Scrum is one part of process agility. Um, Scrum is one part of process agility, and then Safe is a multi-team agility, and DevOps is one part of a corner of technical agility. What about the other ninety percent? Right. <laughs> The other 90% that nobody talks about. Right. <laughs> so it's great because I think being able to, you know, craft this, to put it all together, to give people, um, you know, a, a framework almost to follow and measurements to to then follow up on and, and get that empirical evidence, get that empirical data. Output. Output. Data. Output data. And, yeah, I just say input. Okay. No, you said empirical, which is true, but everybody tries to get empirical, but... Almost everybody does empirical inputs, not empirical outputs. Right, right. And we want the empirical <laughs> outputs. I know. Yeah. So I think I, I think it's great. So looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining the show today. We'll definitely have you back on. That was awesome. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll chat soon. Good. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Notables. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. You can also support the Notables podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Just visit anchor.fm slash notables or click the link in the show notes. Your support is greatly appreciated. For more information and show transcripts, please visit www.notablespodcast.com.